We are called to live faithfully for Jesus 168 hours a week. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon and Chris. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast. My name is Chris and I'm here with our co-host, Brother Brandon and Brother Rob. It's a wonderful thing to be back on this podcast with you guys. How are y'all doing? Doing well. Good to be with you. Yeah, doing good, man. Good to have the three of us uh, back together on the podcast. Right. It, it, it seems like a lot of times just a, a lot of life gets in the way. And, yeah. and so it's good just to be back and recording this podcast with both of you guys today. And we're going to go into a topic in this podcast concerning the current events that are going on in our world right now. There's a lot of confusion that's going on, especially over in the Middle East. Uh, and that confusion is even drifting over into where we live right here in the United States. And so we're going to be talking about the terror attacks on Israel and the importance of that, what we need to understand about that. And there is a lot of misinformation, not just politically, not just in the news, but even in our faith. Wouldn't you all agree that there's a lot of faithful misinformation in this? And so let's just go ahead and just talk a little bit about some of the different things that are being mentioned. Uh, for, For one point, we already talked about this before in other scenarios. For example, not too long ago, Brother Rob and I were talking about the end of the world and how it was supposed to be right before I went over to Brother Rob's church and and preached a revival there. And it was yeah, that episode to end. scared me. <laughs> yeah, the last episode of the Faith One Six Eight podcast <laughs> yeah. is what it was labeled because people took biblical events and, and tried to tie them into our current events to try and make sense of what was going on. And, and that's natural because when something scary is going on, when something doesn't make sense, we do lean on the Bible a lot and that's good, but it's important not to try and fit every event that we see in this world to a biblical event. Wouldn't y'all agree with that? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's like you say, it's kind of our tendency, you know, um, when we see a lot of crazy things going on or like significant political militaristic events, it's kind of our inclination to just find a chapter and verse about it. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's a time and place for that, of course, but, um, it's not always good to, um, kind of, read the scripture in that way, you know, through the lens of current events. We're supposed to read the current events through the lens of scripture, but yeah. Right. And and I think that we even sometimes are the opposite of the Pharisees. So the, the, the Pharisees looked at the prophecies of scripture and they couldn't see clearly that Jesus was the fulfillment of those prophecies. Mm -hmm. Um, But today we look at the prophecies of Scripture, and and we're guessing that everything that happens is a part of prophecy. Where, yeah, that's not a, a good way to look at it. It's it's usually not a good thing to be on the extreme of the spectrum, either to the left or to, to the right. Um, and so I think we need to find a good 
solid place in the middle uh, where Jesus is and, and the truth is uh, on that. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and people for the past 2000 years have been predicting the second coming of Christ based on the current events. For example, the the first century church started to face a lot of persecution from Rome and there were a lot of wars. There was a lot of death. There was a lot of things that were going on at that time that led people to believe, well, yeah, Jesus is, is going to come right back. This, this is about the right time, right, but right. you know, mm-hmm. 2000 years later, we're, we're still here. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's not to say that God isn't faithful, that Jesus isn't going to come back, but, uh, he's going to come back in his time, not in our time, and we can't force it. Uh, but there, there is a lot of biblical understanding around this event, and so I wouldn't want to be a fear monger and say, "Hey, look at this event; the end is nigh," uh, because I don't know when the end is going to happen. Uh, no one knows when the end is going to happen. Jesus Himself says that no one knows the day or time when he is going to return and to take his bride. Uh, And so I don't think our job is to try and focus on what events are bringing us to that second return of Christ. But these events are supposed to encourage us to be more faithful in sharing the gospel, not sharing our fear, of the end, but to simply say there will be a day that this world crumbles to a crisp and you need to be ready for that day by not understanding the stars and the wars and things like that, but by understanding the gospel that Jesus died for your sins and that you need to put your faith in him. And so that's what we're commanded to do is to preach the gospel. And so we're not going to go into an end times understanding of this because we've been living in the end times ever since Jesus ascended over 2,000 years ago. That's true. This, this is just the end. And the end times comes to its culmination when the second coming happens. And I'll praise God if that's tomorrow. I'll praise God if I never get to see that day and I, I just meet him because I die a natural death right here on earth, however that may be. But let's go ahead and, and talk in, about some of what's going on in these current events. So what we see over in Israel right now, which is a you know very important place in our faith because that's where all of this stuff that we looked in the Bible really took place in, right? Yeah. And so it's got historical richness uh, that we can draw from. And it's an important place uh, to us because that's where Jesus was. And when we get to an understanding of Israel in Scripture, I want to ask both of you guys a question. I want to see what y'all's answer to this is. But what's the importance of Israel not in the past, not during these biblical times, but what's the importance of Israel now? Well, um, I mean, Israel is a really crucial nation for global morality. Mm-hmm. Um, they are a, an ally, of course, of the United States. So, I mean, just morally and politically speaking, they they have a lot to offer, you know. Mm-hmm. And the loss of Israel would be a loss to the entire global world. It'd definitely be a loss to the United States. I mean, and, and here's another thing, too. Just practically speaking, putting like all spiritual stuff aside, so much 
medicinal technology and you know computer stuff has come out of Israel that has benefited all the world. Mm-hmm. And were something drastic to happen to Israel, it would also be felt by the medical community at large. Right. Um, but I mean, I know you said not going back to biblical times here, but I mean, just the basic thing with Israel too is it's a historical holy land. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not so sure that it has any sort of uh, like true holiness, like true holy value today, but it is where the Bible took place. It is where Jesus walked and a loss mm-hmm. of Israel geographically and a loss of these historical sites would be a major loss um, to believers all across the globe. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, Rob, do you got anything on that? Yeah. So <clears throat> I, I think that in order to understand the, um, the importance of Israel today, we, we do have to go back and consider a few truths. So first, this uh, is chapter 15 um, we see the the covenant that, that God makes with Abraham. And so God and Abraham are, are talking. And let's just pause for a minute and think about how amazing that would be. Um, I, I know, as, as I'm sure you guys have, I've had impressions when the Holy Spirit is leading me to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, in my personal testimony, um, whether it was audible or just in my mind, I've heard the voice of God like I said, I don't know if it was audible or, or just inside of me. Um, one time when I was um, at a point where I thought that I had lost my salvation, at a, a point where um, I thought that, you know, God didn't love me anymore, I, I heard him say that, that I was his son and that he still loved me. Um, but as far as um, hearing the, the audible voice of God, we just... That, that's not a part of our current reality. Now, one day um, we do know his voice and one day we will hear his voice. And, and I hope that everybody that's listening to this will hear the words uh, first, well done, my good and faithful servant, not based on your merit, not based on my merit, but based on faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. But can we, can we just, can you imagine what it must have been like for Abraham to, to sit and to talk with God and, and, and to have these conversations and, and Abraham was, uh, was not scared. Um, when he talked with God, he was pretty blunt with God and he would, would go to God and God would say that I'm going to bless you. And he would say, how were you going to bless me? Um, I don't yeah. have a, a, a son. I don't have anybody that's going to take on after me. Um, who's going to be my heir, somebody from Damascus. Um, and God says, no, I'm going to, to give you a, a child. And in fact, he says um, that um, in verse four, then the word of the Lord came to him, uh, verse four of chapter 15 of Genesis, that might help. Uh, the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son whom is your own flesh uh, and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And then many years later, when Abraham and um, his wife, Sarah, have a a child, um, his one and only child, as as I'm sure this conversation is going to go later to 
the um, relationship between Isaac and Ishmael, but um, his only true son, the son of the promise, um, he's he's taking him up on a mountain because God has has asked Abraham to to take his son up to the mountain and, and give him as a sacrifice. Uh, but as he's about to to slay his own son, and, and that could be an episode in and of itself. But as he's about to, uh, the angel of the Lord yells up to him and and tells him to stop. He says, "Do not lay a hand on the boy." Um, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld your son, your only son. And then we, that should should highlight with inside of us the um, the words that that God speaks about Jesus, that the Father speaks about Jesus at the baptism, at the transfiguration. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. It's his one and only son. God gave his son so that Abraham didn't have to. He gave his son so that I don't have to give my son. Uh, He gave his son so I don't have to give my own life. Um, But he continues on. Um, Abraham looks up. He sees the ram caught in the thicket. He sacrifices that. But then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham for a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all the nations will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Um, If I had more time, we would go through a lot more scripture. But once we get to Jesus, we see that that Jesus is is the descendant that is going to bless all the nations. And that after Jesus, um, we see that the the children of Abraham aren't a physical lineage, but a spiritual lineage. Um, John the Baptist says that, that God the Father could make children of Abraham out of rocks. Um, Jesus goes on to, to, to say that it's not, um, it's not that the children of, of, of Abraham, the Israelites that are going to be saved, but those who have faith like their father, Abraham, we go into the book of Romans and see that, um, we are children of God when we have faith like Abraham, we're justified Mm -hmm. by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But going into that point, the reason that Jesus blesses the whole nation, and this is a really complicated topic, but just to get to physical Israel here, Jesus says that the reason that, that, and Paul elaborates, that the reason that the gospel was shared to the nations is because Israel rejected the gospel. They rejected Jesus, the 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 cornerstone was rejected by the builders, and so now all uh, of the people of the earth get to accept Jesus and get to be a part of spiritual Israel. But because of that, we should, as Christians, as believers, pray and seek to do everything we can within our power to help the Jews, God's original chosen people, the, the natural lineage of Abraham to see the truth of Jesus, because without them, we don't have the fathers of the faith. Without the Jews, we don't have the patriarchs. Without the, the Jews, we don't have the prophets. Yeah. Without the Jews, we don't have Jesus. And so we are nothing without the natural lineage 
of Abraham. And so now we should seek to protect natural Israel so that they can have the opportunity to accept Jesus when he reveals himself to them. And I think that that day will come. And I I think that if uh, Paul even talks about, uh, you guys might have to to remind me the reference for this, but Paul talks about how the, uh, that we are grafted in to the, the spiritual tree of Abraham, but if an Israelite was to believe, if a, a natural branch from the tree that was cut off because of unbelief is grafted back in, how much more natural would it be for that branch to be grafted back in? And so he right, speaks yeah. of the time uh, of the return of of natural Israel to spiritual Israel. And I look forward to that day and I hope that day comes and I'm praying for that. And I think that that is why as for Christians, Brandon, brother Brandon did a great job of telling us why it matters for us geopolitically. But I think as Christians, it matters for us because we ought to, there are brothers and sisters in in the faith, and we ought to to see if, if if we can reach them with the gospel of Jesus, so that they can understand fully the God that we serve, because we serve the same God. A lot of people say that all of the Abrahamic religions believe in the same God, but but that's not true. Uh, but I do believe that the the Jews and the Christians worship the same God. I think we just have the full revelation of the Godhead through the person, Jesus Christ. And we ought to do everything we can to, um, to witness to and to pray for natural Israel so that they can return, be grafted in, and be part of spiritual Israel as well. Yeah, and Paul even talks about that uh, when, when he talks about how he sees that his brethren have a zeal for God, but it's a misguided zeal that they... They're all about God and they, they worship the living God, yet they they kind of look in the wrong direction at, at that last moment because Jesus often said, you know, as you're looking at Jesus to the Pharisees, they're, they're having that conversation back and forth. And he says, you don't really worship overall God because here I am. If you worship God truly, you would worship me. And so they, they worship the same God in the sense that they, they give them the lip service. They, they talk about him. They, they pray to him. Uh, but to fully submit to God, you have to fully submit to Jesus. And so that's a, that's a big prayer to, to have for Israel. And I think that's an important thing to, to start at is first and foremost, the importance of, of Israel in this day and time uh, is, is, more that that's where the faith came from. And as you said, Brother Rob, it would be such a natural thing for them to go from just paying God lip service, that yeah. physical understanding, sure. to submitting to him fully as they submit to Christ. Yeah. And um, so that, go ahead. I was going to add here, if, if I can interject, um, it is biblical for Christians to desire this, by the way. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's it's a biblical thing for us to desire unbelievers to be saved, but it's even more biblical for us to desire that 
ethnic Israel believe the gospel because Paul said in Romans 10 verse 1, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Mm-hmm. And so there is this special longing, this exclusive yearning that believers are to have for the salvation of Israel. Not really, I guess, the uh, salvation of the nation as a whole. I mean, we want like as many believers as possible, um, mm-hmm. but we, we want God to do a saving work among ethnic Israel mm-hmm. and, sure. and bring... Uh, well, certainly ethnic Israel back to the true spiritual Israel. Um, because I mean, like when Christ came to the earth, he came first to the Jews, um, to the Judeans. He preached the gospel to them. And so, uh, there is that special longing and it's, it's definitely biblical for us to have that. Yeah. And that's where the gospel went first, right? Yeah. First to, um, Judea, to Samaria, and then to the ends of the, the earth. And so, um, yeah. And, and Paul, he, he talks about that. You, you read in the first chapter of Romans that salvation is to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He's not saying that, you know, Jews come first in the sense of superiority in line, but that Jesus came through the Jewish lineage and he took 12 Jewish men and, and taught them to preach the gospel uh, so that they would go out into all of the world and, and preach the gospel. So salvation started right there in Israel. Jesus came to Israel. He preached to the Jews. Uh, some of the Jews accepted him. The majority of the Jews rejected him. The majority of the Jews even tried to squash out the church mm-hmm. as well and, and even use the Romans to, to help out in that process. And so the importance of Israel is that's where our faith began. And that's where faith is really needed, especially during this trying time. And and there was a book that I read. It was a very interesting book called The Mystery of Catastrophe and, and how uh, faith seems to find a way in these catastrophic moments. And there's been many times in the Bible where Israel had a disbelief in God. They turned their backs on God. They rejected his will. And God said, I, I can wake you up. Uh, I mean, the whole book of Daniel is, is you know, that, you know, seven decades of waking up Israel before they were led back home. And then even after that, they were dispersed and displaced many a times until in the 40s, finally, they come back and they, in our current history, uh, become a nation once more. But let's let's go to the biblical value of this as well. Uh, what, what's the greatest biblical value of this? Is it is it in times that we really need to be looking at, or is it something that's already happened? And I think all three of us are in agreement that the richest biblical understanding that we have of the current events going on isn't something about the end of the world, but rather about something that happened at the beginning of the world. And that that would be talking about Abraham. And, and so what we need to understand is that Abraham, he didn't have any children. And that's what Brother Rob talked about. And God promised him a son. Well, just like many of us were impatient when God says, I'm going to make something happen and it doesn't happen right away. We like to take matters into our own hands. So Sarah, his wife, said, here is my maidservant, Hagar. 
take her and have a son so that way your lineage can continue on and from that relationship uh with hagar he had a son named ishmael and in genesis chapter 16 verse uh starting in verse 11 we see this promise and we see what's going to happen here uh but but god is talking to hagar here after she's having a lot of trouble within the family because Sarah doesn't really like her because she thinks that Hagar is getting special treatment now and you know all the little going-ons that happen within family drama but but God says this behold you are pregnant and shall bear a son you shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction he shall be a wild donkey of a man his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him and he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. And that's in chapter 16 of Genesis. If you go over to chapter 17 of Genesis, you see God not talking to Hagar this time, but talking to uh, to Abraham. And he says, as for Ishmael, in verse 20, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall have 12 princes and I will make him into a great nation. And so what we see is really the big thing that's happening here is family issues of the Bible. Mm -hmm. We have two sons that had a father. And the big thing that's going on here is Abraham's my father in this land is mine. No, Abraham's my father in this land is mine. And the truth is Abraham is both of their fathers. But God gave the inheritance, not to Ishmael, but to Isaac, who was the promised son. And so really, this whole battle that we're seeing taking place right now in our current time started thousands of years ago. Yeah. Because one man did something that we often do. He messed up and he pushed the will of God. And that wasn't God's will for for him to have Ishmael and him be the son of inheritance, but for Isaac to be the son of inheritance. And, and so that, because he pushed that, that's that's where we're at today. And I think it's important to note here um, that Ishmael is not rejected because of Ishmael. Right. Um, Isaac was predestined, and I, I know that, <laughs> that word is... Uh, of great, my favorite. Uh, you know, it's it's Brandon's favorite word, but he he was predestined. So before he was born, God had a plan for Isaac. Um, Ishmael was not his desired will. Um, it was a part of his uh, allowable will. God allowed it to happen, uh, but his desired will was to bless Abraham through the covenant of marriage. And so in in order to to truly understand all this, we have to understand that Abraham going outside of wedlock is disobedience to God in the first place. Um, And and where there's sin, we know from Adam and Eve, when you sin, you die. There's death that is brought when we sin. And, And so the sin of Abraham caused death, not just in his life, not just in his children's life, but it, it, it has plagued um, religions and, and 
peoples for for thousands of years to the point where um, all of the Abrahamic um, religions, the faiths, uh, you have uh, Christianity, uh, Islam, and Judaism, they fought holy wars for hundreds of years uh, over a single spot of land. Um, And obviously they're since the Jews have been given their place, you have Hitler who's tried to get rid of the Jews and many Islamic uh, countries are are still today uh, spreading the lies and um, and propaganda of Hitler to get rid of the Jews. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we see that this one problem has caused um, ca- caused death for, millennial but the the problem is not that god chose one over the other the the problem is is the sin and and i just wanted to point that out cuz I, I, yeah. I don't want it to sound like god has has chosen and that makes him at fault god chose before and told abraham what to do and to be faithful and yeah. and that god was going to do something amazing and abraham failed and that has caused sin and destruction. Well, and even in his failure, he still blessed Ishmael. Absolutely. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't Ishmael's fault that uh, yeah. Abraham decided to push the will of God. Ishmael then asked to, to come into existence at that point and, and be a part of that. But it's it simply that's what happens there. And, and so we see this great war that started all the way in Genesis and that brother is going to be against brother. And Ishmael became the father of the Arab nations, and Isaac continued the lineage of the Hebrew nations. And so that that's what's going on. The Arabs hate the Jews. But guess who else the Arabs hate as well? The Christians. <laughs> Say that louder again. <laughs> the Christians. The Christians, right? And, yeah. and so this is another important reason why we need to look at what's going on over in Israel right now, because the Jews right now are kind of like the front line of defense yeah. for our protection as Christians, because the the Islamic terrorist and just Islam in itself is not friendly towards Christianity. And I know people think that this is harsh because we live in a world that says, well, not all Islams believe that. And and that's true because not all Islamic people are true believers, just like a lot of people that claim to be Christians are not true believers. But one of my first things when I am talking to someone of the Islamic faith and I'm witnessing to them and people think this is harsh, but I will never back down on this. But I'll ask them when they say, well, I'm Islamic, I'm a Muslim. I say, well, I'm a Christian. Do you want to kill me? And then you want to know what they say? 90% of 90. Yeah, not about 90% of the time. Some of them have said that they would kill me. But uh, <laughs> but they say, no, I don't want to kill you. And I said, okay, well, then you're not really a Muslim. Uh, and you're not really practicing your faith. Well, yeah, I am. You know, I still practice the tenets. I still... I still pray and, and do all this stuff. I was like, well, a lot of Christians, you know, pray. A lot of Christians go to church, but they're not really Christians either. And I said, there's 119 verses in the Quran that tell people of the Islamic faith to kill Christians and infidels. Mm-hmm. Specifically, and not not in any uncertain terms. It, it is graphic in its description. I have read the Quran several times i'm I'm a believer in understanding uh 
everything that we're going up against. It, it goes from telling them to peel our skin off to beheading us to if you can't kill the person, make sure you find another person in the Islamic faith to kill us. And yeah. so while, here's, while uh, I, here's Surah 9-5, by the way. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Then kill the disbelievers wherever you find them, capture them and besiege them, and lie in wait for them each and every ambush. So, yeah, yeah. pretty definitive. And, and that's where the Islamic faith is based in. It's based, it's, its base is simply kill anyone that does not convert. Kill anyone. Don't, don't give them a chance. And, and so when we look at that, that, that's how these terrorist organizations start. Yeah, there's a lot of people, probably more people that claim to be Islam, a part of Islam, that wouldn't actually do these things because they don't truly have a faith in it. But the true faithful Islamic people, the ones that are perfect, I would say, in their, their Islamic faith, what do they want to do? They want to eradicate the Jews. And then after they get done eradicating the Jews, you want to know who they want to eradicate after that? Christians. And, and so that's a very important thing. We're seeing a, a spiritual war take place in the physical right now as a doctrine of demons, which is Islam, is being presented. And we have people in our nation marching in the defense of this doctrine of demons that you know, a lot of these people don't understand is they carry these flags promoting Hamas, promoting the Islamic religion that Islam wouldn't accept them. Islam would kill them just as fast as they would kill the Jews. And I think that's a very important thing to know as we look at Israel. We can look at the end times all you want, but let's look at what happened over history and let's look at what can happen right now yeah. if we're not careful. What do y'all think about that? Um, I think that's spot on. And, um, you know, I think we might add at this point that um, the only end times or eschatological element of this is that wars will happen in the last days. I mean, I really, I think that's about it. Now, I totally respect um, dispensationalists. I totally respect those who think that the events happening in Israel right now are found chapter and verse in scripture. But I got to say, I don't really see it. Um, according to my understanding of the New Testament's framework of the end times, all Jesus says is that wars shall plague the last days, the last days which commenced with his first coming and his ascension to heaven. Um, he says that wars and uh, rumors of wars will happen, but he says, see to it, you're not alarmed. He says, such things must happen, but the end is still to come. And he yeah. says that there are birth pains, the beginning of birth pains in Matthew 24, which means that, you know, wars and false Christ and all these sort of things um, are going to happen with greater intensity and frequency as we near the end of time. That's that's the metaphor of birth pains there. Um yeah. When a baby is getting close to being born, the con contractions, right, they're more frequent and they're far more intense. And that we can expect as we get closer to the time of his return. But just generally speaking, stepping back and looking at this through the lens of the scriptures teaching on the end times, this is just a war like many other wars that have happened in history and that will continue to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I'll just 
second that from from my understanding of scripture um all of the um the prophecy of Israel is about spiritual Israel and not about uh, physical Israel. And I know that a lot of people would disagree with that, and, and that's okay because um, that gets in, in into deep weeds. Um, but I, I think what you said hit the nail on the, the head. Um, there are wars, rumors of wars. Um, if we're not careful and, and the United States doesn't stand strong against Hamas and and quite frankly, a few other people, um, we could be looking at World War III, and this could get ugly really fast. Um, yeah. And um, and and so it, it could be a lot closer to home um, as well. And so we want to protect Israel to let terrorists know that, that we're not backing down, then they can't have whoever they want to have, wherever they want to have. And so um, it, it's just a, a very... Very important um, for us to to be on the right side of of history. When when you have right. a group of people that is willing to um, to kill children, women, mm-hmm. civilians, and then to take um, and put their bases under hospitals and under um, civilians' homes because they know that. Um, the Israelis are a civilized people and will not kill um, civilians um, if there's any way around it. Um, and um, they're, they're cowards, they're barbarians, and and they have to be stopped. And, and so um, not just from a, a biblical standpoint, but it, it is very, very important uh, but that doesn't mean that the end of, of time is here. Uh, we've had two world wars so far. Yeah. Um, and um, Yeah, two wars worse than this one. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and there have been uh, deadlier wars and, and mm-hmm. people have died and, and mass casualties and genocide and all of this before. This isn't the first time. Um, and so I, I think we should just remember um, – most of this has happened before, and it'll probably happen again before Jesus comes back. Um, and we ought not to use those things as an excuse to sit back um, and do nothing because we think Jesus is at the door. Well, and, yeah. and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but when it comes to the second coming of Christ, uh, we're told something very specific of the very end. I mean, we're the end of the ages now, but it it comes to its culmination at the second coming of Christ. But Jesus says that it it comes when we least expect it. Right. And after the whole world hears the gospel. Yeah. And there are many people groups that are, have never heard. Right. But going on with the, the least expecting time is everyone's looking at this event and guess what everyone expects right now. Yeah. The, the, the yeah. end of the world. Right. I don't. I don't think that the second coming of Christ is where everybody's sitting around and, and sitting there saying, with a sound mind, that we believe in God, we read the Scripture, we have faith in Jesus, and we see all of these different things that seem to fit 
in, into some of these biblical events. Uh, but it's going to be when there's a time when no one thinks about these biblical events anymore. As in the days of Noah. Right, as, as, as it is in the days of Noah. When, when no one's focusing on the will of God, probably mm -hmm. when people haven't picked up a Bible for for the longest time in history and everyone's sitting down and the world has strayed so far from God that they can't even, they don't even realize that there will be an end one day and then it'll come like a thief in the night when everybody least expects it. And, and so I, I would encourage people not to, to have a fear, especially if you're a Christian, even if this is the end, there is no fear as a Christian of the end because to live is Christ and to die is gain that if we only have one minute here left on earth before Jesus comes back, we should use that last minute to present the gospel and, and to bring glory to God. Mm -hmm. uh, but if we, we get to live out our lives fully, then glory be to God. If we don't glory be to God, however it goes, glory be to God. But every world war that we've had, the two world wars that, that we've experienced in the United States history, people thought this is it. Mm -hmm. This is the end. How could we go on? Yeah. But these these weren't even necessarily the the worst wars of all. There were wars before our history in the United States that were just as deadly, that were, were just as awful. And guess what? People during a lot of those wars as well said, this is the end. This is it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we do need to be vigilant. We do need to look at this for what it is. This is an evil, evil belief system that is coming against Israel, where our our faith was brought forward, where our faith was distributed right there in Israel. That's where salvation through Christ started, where he died on the cross of Calvary for us in Israel, where he rose from the grave in Israel. And let me tell you, I think the devil would love to wipe Israel out so that no one would ever hear about what Jesus did there. Yeah, right. Yeah. So y'all have anything else to share on the current events that we're facing right now? I'll, I'll just say this um, to, to close out my thoughts. Um, one of the reasons that dispensationalism concerns me the most um, is because people are going to be expecting the return, expecting the return, expecting the return. They're going to be expecting to be raptured out of here before it gets too bad. They're going to, uh, they, they think that they won't have to go through all this tribulation and trials and troubles and all, all the terrible things that, that follow just natural human sin and depravity. But but what happens when he doesn't come and he doesn't rapture you and he doesn't rapture you and he doesn't rapture you? And, and my hope is that you won't lose faith, that, that you'll be faithful to the end because it's the one who perseveres to the end that proves that he had authentic faith to begin with. Um, and so, so my hope is is that you're not resting solely on the hope of a rapture, but that you're you're going to be faithful to Jesus, no matter what comes. 
that that you are going to be faithful to the calling of of Christ, whether you are taken out of here or whether you are killed by a sword or taken prisoner to to rot in jail, whatever whatever this life has in store for you, um, no matter what this life has in store for believers, um, I believe that we have peace and hope and joy through the Holy Spirit in the middle of troubles and trials and tribulation. And, and I believe that, um, that, that if we simply seek to, to live our lives faithful to him, that, that no matter what happens, um, that, that we will, um, we'll see him one day and we'll hear, hear the words. Well done, my, my good and faithful servant. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Brandon? Do you have any other things to share? I think that's a fitting conclusion. Yep. And, and, and remember this too, uh, God has, has used tragedy and, and all the turmoils of this world that are caused by our sin not not by him but we we bring all this about really really easily we do a good job on it of it on our own uh, but he's used it also to wake us up and so maybe this is not just a you know a war that is just another war but i think this could be a war that is a wake up call for for israel to seek god faithfully i think this is a war that is a call for Christians also to seek God faithfully by putting their faith uh, in Jesus Christ and following him wherever he leads. And so it's very important that in everything that we see, we can have a lot of opinions, we can have a lot of thoughts, but the best thing we can do is continue to present the gospel and follow Jesus. So thank you for joining us for another episode of the Faith 168 podcast. It's so good to be here, both with Brother Brandon and Brother Rob. And Brother Brandon, we dismiss us in prayer? I will. Father, we thank you so much for the clarity and truthfulness of your word. Thank you uh, for this opportunity to record this episode. We just pray that it might bless all of our listeners. And, and more importantly, we pray for Israel right now. We pray that... You might keep her safe, uh, that there would be a swift end to this conflict with as little bloodshed as possible. Uh, we pray that the gospel would go forth some way, somehow, so that ethnic Israel could become part of spiritual Israel. And we just pray also, Lord, that ultimately your will would be done and that you would be given glory, honor, and praise through whatever the outcome might be. And we ask for your grace and strength to help us live faithfully for Jesus uh, the next 168 hours of the week. And we pray and ask all these things in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, Message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page and we will see you in 168 hours.